What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the first installment of a mini-series on Garbage Into Gold, entitled Gold Digging. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, and I'm going to be the primary host for these mini episodes moving forward and uh, thank you for joining me Uh, in a nutshell what I hope to do with these mini episodes is to give a little bit of a glimpse uh, as to what has been going on the past week or so in Sixers basketball and around the league in a quick 10 to 15 minute episode so how this will be structured is uh, we'll talk about three garbage storylines of the week one from around the NBA Uh, And two from the Sixers, since this is a Sixers-centric podcast. And uh, we'll go over three gold headlines, uh, one from around the NBA and two from the Sixers. So uh, I'm excited to get this started. And uh, these episodes are going to be exclusively brought to you by our friends at Steady Picks. Uh, They are your source for sports betting tips, insights, and analytics to help you become a better sports better. Become an all-access subscriber today using gold for your first month free. At Steady Picks, they provide members with a daily newsletter highlighting the day's best bets from from their staff, articles to keep your sports betting strategy sharp, and their signature Steady Picks system best bets winning at an industry-leading 60% across all sports. You can visit them online at steadypicks.com to learn more. And again, you can become an all-access subscriber with some some great, great information you get with that all-access subscription by using the code GOLD for your first month free. So without any further delay, why don't we uh, go ahead and dive into the first episode of Gold Digging. Garbage in a gold. All right, everyone. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. I am your host, Brandon Apter. And in gold digging, we're going to go through three garbage and three gold headlines from across the NBA and within the Sixers. We'll do an NBA headline for for each of garbage and gold, and then we'll focus on two garbage Sixers topics and uh, two gold Sixers topics in this little mini series that starts with this one. So why don't we start off with the NBA-wide garbage headline of the week. And I think that this one pretty easily goes to how the NBA handled the Kevin Durant situation. As we all know, COVID-19 is still, uh, you know, new when it comes to the sports world, where the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL, uh, National Hockey League, you know, they all have to make adjustments as things go along. Um, and the way that the NBA handled the Kevin Durant situation was just mind boggling considering what the NBA has been through so far this season. So in a nutshell, Kevin Durant rode in a car with a Nets employee maskless, apparently three different times. Uh, and that employee prior to the game had an inconclusive COVID test return. So during pregame warmups, Kevin Durant had to be removed Uh, until they learned more. So there was no really new information that was given out, but Durant subbed into that game and 
played 19 minutes before exiting in the third quarter after playing 19 minutes as the Nets learned that that employee that Durant wrote with was had tested positive for COVID-19. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking crazy how this happens. Like, how does something like this happen after all we've been through? If you have an inconclusive test, how, how is Kevin Durant allowed to play 19 minutes? I don't, I don't understand that. Like since, since that, um, since that, um, issue, Durant has tested negative a few times but it doesn't seem worth it to put other players and other staff members and other employees in danger if you're not sure what the result is. So an inconclusive test, in my opinion, should be a test that's enough to have a player not play in a game until there's a conclusive test. This employee tests positive, and luckily Durant tests negative um, later in the day, and in following days, he's eligible to return this coming Friday, Um, but had to miss an entire week of games again due to health and safety protocols. And how this was all handled could have been handled differently if the NBA had things in place for these kind of things. But they don't because things like this don't happen very often. The whole situation was a disaster and pretty much the NBA needs to continue to reevaluate and make new protocols to ensure they know what to do in these situations. Earlier in the season, they botched the Sixers-Nuggets game, uh, making the Sixers play with the minimum number of players. And Mike Scott, who was injured and was not going to play, had to be dressed in order for them to be able to play the Nuggets. And it was just terrible how all of that was handled. It was very, very bad. And since then, they've done a better job at making sure that their protocols are a little bit more clear um, and that players don't have to dress injured players like Mike Scott to try to get to the minimum player count. I mean, to this day, that still boggles my mind how the Sixers played that game. It still boggles my mind. So yeah, that's my first garbage headline of the, of of this episode is how the Kevin Durant thing was handled. It's just why, why is he allowed to enter a game with an inconclusive test of somebody that he was in a car maskless with? Like it makes no sense. So hopefully they'll do better and reevaluate their protocols for stuff like that moving forward. But in my mind, inconclusive test uh, should mean you don't play until there is a negative test. All right. So the next uh, topic that I have here going on, going from the NBA garbage to uh, the Sixers uh, here. And and this one, I feel like is understandable why it's on here. Um, But still something that's a little disappointing to see how it's trending. So the first Sixers garbage headline that I have is Tyrese Maxey's decreased playing time. Uh, He averaged just over 20 minutes a game in January for obvious reasons. Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Matisse Theibel, and others were sidelined due to health and safety protocols for a little while. Furkan Korkmaz was still out with injury, but over the last nine games, he's averaging just uh, over 11 uh, 11 minutes per game. So, I mean, why is this garbage exactly? Well, it seemed like the Sixers and Doc Rivers were committed to the rookie's development for a while, playing him pretty regularly even when the full roster was healthy. Now it seems like they are choosing defense over his offense. 
you know, his ability to attack, those floaters. Uh, and they've been going with, with Matisse Thibel, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, they've been going with Thibel over Maxi in the rotation for the most part. Um, and I'm not really sure how much we should read into this at this point, but it's obvious that there are going to be rookie growing pains. But I feel like for a player like him that showed so much promise in the increased minutes that he got due to injury, uh, I feel like there should be a little bit more of an effort to let him go through those rookie, uh, go through those rookie uh, growing pains, because this team is good. They're seventeen and seven. They're first place. Uh, they're still at a point in the season where they can probably afford to let him, um, you know, figure it out there on the court. I've always been a guy that preaches player development. I love uh, when teams draft a player and they get to develop with that team that drafts them and they turn into a star or like a really valuable role player that way. And that's what I want to see for Tyrese Maxey. We're obviously, again, very early into his rookie season, but uh, his decreased playing time uh, in favor of Matisse Thibel, I get it, but I hope that over the next 10, 12 games, we see Doc maybe tinker and maybe get Tyrese some more minutes because as one of the only guys on the team outside of, of Shake Milton and maybe Seth Curry to run the offense after Ben Simmons goes on the bench or what have you, uh, he, he might be your best option if there's an injury or something come playoff time. And I think that's why there's such a big discussion about the Sixers, um, you know, and, and rumors out there swirling about uh, acquiring Kyle Lowry which would be very good for this team. I don't know whether I'd give up Danny Green and assets in order to do that, uh, but it would certainly uh, solidify what the Sixers have in terms of, of ball handlers and everything like that. But uh, for me, the Tyrese Maxey's playing time, it's in this garbage section because I feel like everybody loved watching him so much and he was clearly going to go through some of those rookie growing pains and he's going through those now. Um, teams are learning how to play him. But he seems like such a high IQ player that I'd like to see him be able to be put out there to adjust to how defensive uh, defensive defenses are playing him. Uh, so he has that kind of experience come playoff time if he is somebody in the playoff rotation due to playing well or due to injury, what have you. So uh, that's my second uh, garbage headline. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's playing time. The third, the third one uh, is is Seth Curry, and I first want to point out that Seth Curry is not garbage. It's clear that he's still exhibiting symptoms from COVID nineteen, not feeling great. You know, it caused him to miss miss a large chunk of games from early January to late January, and it's clear that ramping back up into game speed and, and playing every night has been a little bit more of a struggle for him. He he looked good in the first couple games back. Uh, but lately, he hasn't looked as great. So I thought it was just worth pointing out some of his numbers. And the fact that the Sixers can still beat teams and that they're still at the top of the Eastern Conference right now is, I mean, it only makes me feel better. If Seth Curry's not playing this way and they're still uh, you know, winning more than they're losing, um, then, then that's a good thing. It's a sign that when Curry eventually returns to form, they should start beating teams even more comfortably than usual. You know, you'll have a game or two like that uh, undermanned Portland team beating the Sixers, who were at full strength for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think once Curry reaches his uh, 
form that he was at the beginning of the season when he was averaging 16, 17 points a game, shooting 40 plus percent from beyond the arc. Uh, it's only going to make them more dangerous or equally as dangerous as they were early in the season. Uh, so over the last seven, uh, seven games, Seth Curry has averaged just 5.8 points, shooting 31.5% from three-point range. Luckily, his reputation as a sharpshooter uh, sharp still opens up space for other guys, but hopefully he returns to form sooner rather than later since the Sixers have some tough upcoming matchups against the Suns and the Jazz in their four-game road trip that uh, begins this evening, Tuesday. All right, so we went through the garbage stuff, uh, the KD situation, Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry. Uh, let's go to the gold and the around the NBA gold uh, headline that I started to uh, that I that I selected for this week's episode is Seth Curry's brother Steph Curry. At the beginning of the season, Seth uh, Steph Curry. I apologize if I mix those names up; they're so easy to mix up. Uh, at the beginning of the season, it looked like he wasn't the player that we knew him to be. I didn't even have the Warriors in the uh, playoff picture uh, in my uh, East and Western Conference picks uh, when Jesse Larch and I did our Eastern and Western Conference predictions prior to the season. I had them in the play-in tournament, but I did not have them uh, being in the original one to eight seeds just because... You know, you're missing Clay Thompson. Curry, you just don't know how he's going to come back after the injury. Uh, Kelly Oubre, you're not sure what you're going to get from him. Andrew Wiggins has been a bust for the most part up until recently. Um, but Steph Curry has returned to what we all know him to be, which is just an insane sharpshooter from three-point range. Over the last 10 games, he's averaging 31.5 points on 50.4% shooting from beyond the arc. And to put it in perspective, he was shooting 31.8% from beyond in December, 43.1% in January, and through just a few games in February, he's over 51%. So it's clear that we're getting the Steph Curry that we have come to know over the last few years and during those Warriors dynasty years. And I feel like sooner or later, if he keeps up the pace that he's on, it won't be long until he starts to be talked about in the MVP conversation alongside Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Uh, and LeBron James. All right, the next gold headline we'll move to the Sixers is Ben Simmons. And if any of you are regular listeners to Garbage into Gold, you know that I said that I have been out on Ben Simmons. I still believe that he needs to have a serviceable basketball shot in order for this team to win a championship with him as their second best player. He has been playing a lot better, but I, I don't even need him to shoot three-pointers. Serviceable baseline jumper that we've seen in his summer workout videos would be fine. It would be fine. Now, his hook shot and um, his, his hook shot and uh, the baskets that he's gotten in the paint have looked a lot better recently. He's looked a lot more confident, and he seems, again, to be one of those guys that once it goes in, he's going to be more confident. So that's good. Over the last seven games, Ben averaging 15.8 points, 7.4 rebounds, and 7.4 assists. And he's taking nearly 11 shots per game, which is an improvement over the 9.5 shot average that he's on this season as a whole. And he has assisted on 93 made three-pointers, which is among the top NBA leaders this year. He's always been great in that. 
wasn't great last year because of how the roster was constructed with Al Horford and Josh Richardson. But now that you have Danny Green, you have Tobias Harris playing more confidently, and you have Seth Curry, those numbers are only going to continue to improve, and he should finish, if not first, then in the top three in that statistical category at the end of the year. Ben has always been known for his defense, especially over the last few years. Maybe not always known. I feel like coming out of college, he wasn't a great defender, but he's become one of the best defenders in the NBA. And he's been the best perimeter defender for the Sixers and looked to be at the top of his game while defending James Harden on Saturday against the Nets. Harden seemed to really get whatever he wanted against everyone except for Ben Simmons. Uh, Just to put things in perspective on how Ben is with regard to the rest of the league and some defensive statistics, he leads the NBA in deflections per game. Uh, Robert Covington uh, lovers and stanners should love that stat. And he also leads the NBA in loose balls recovered per game. So to put things in perspective a little bit, Doc Rivers made the switch on Saturday night against the Nets to put Ben Simmons on James Harden with 7.30 left in the third quarter. Up until that point, Ben had defended Simmons on, uh, or Ben had defended Harden on switches, but it was mostly Danny Green and Matisse Thibel that were defending James Harden. Doc Rivers said that he wanted to make sure Ben had enough juice to be able to go on Harden if they needed him to. So at that point in the third quarter with 7.30 to go, the Sixers trailed Brooklyn by one. And after putting Simmons on Harden, they closed that quarter on a thirteen on a 30-13 to 13 run per Rich Hoffman of The Athletic. And that's just phenomenal. Obviously, it's a big offensive turnaround. Danny Green was a big part of that where he made two threes and then a floater. Um, but it was clear that Ben Simmons being switched on to James Harden was really, really, really big momentum change for the Sixers there. And James Harden scored 26 points that game, but it wasn't one of those games... You know, without KD, without Kyrie, you expect him to score 40, 45 points against a team like the Sixers, like he has in the past. 26 points. I can live with that. I can live with that. Landry Shamit, great game. TLC, great game. James Harden, not a great game for James Harden standards, in my opinion. So that is my Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, he's been he's been tremendous. There's no other way to say it. He's been uh, playing a lot better. Maybe his knee was was causing more issues than I came to realize or others came to realize, but he's been playing great defensively and has been more consistently aggressive on offense too. And if he keeps doing that and is able to draw fouls and go to the line, I mean, it's it's just going to improve his game more and more. And finally, the last uh, gold headline that I picked out for the week is the play of Matisse Thibel. Now, uh, Matisse Thibel has become a rotation regular, which, as I mentioned earlier, has resulted in less time for rookie Tyrese Maxey. And although Matisse's offense is still a work in progress, he's getting regular rotation minutes due in large part to how he's settled in defensively. After starting the season a bit jumpy on the defensive end, you know, he kind of looked like he was as a rookie, taking too many risks for big steals, and then the other team just having a wide open lane to the bucket, stuff like that. So after starting the season a bit jumpy on the defensive end and fouling way too often, he's gotten a lot more comfortable and more uh, in a more regular role, and Doc Rivers seems to trust him against some of the NBA's best. 
He trusted him against James Harden. He was again. He he matched up against Le- LeBron James a few times. Um, Matisse leads the NBA in deflections per thirty six with six and a half. Uh, two games against Kemba Walker this year. Uh, Matisse Thibel has held the veteran point man to two for nine shooting and nearly seven minutes matched up against him. And again, he wasn't shy in guarding James Harden either. Had a couple of blocks. He has seven blocks over the last five games and 11 total steals. Offensively, he looks a little bit more comfortable cutting and driving to the basket, but doesn't go to the line enough when he does. And his shot at the line is also not great. So you want to see that three-point shot get a little bit better. It'll make him more valuable. But at this point, I think they're looking for that defensive versatility from him. And uh, that's exactly what they got. So those are my three uh, gold topics of the week. Steph Curry, really looking great. So fun to watch as a player when he's hitting shots from the logo uh, from beyond the arc. Ben Simmons continuing to play very, very well after being inconsistent for you know, the first batch of games this season and Matisse Thibel really starting to emerge as a defensive force for the Sixers. And when you have Thibel, Simmons, and Joel Embiid on the court at the same time, it's going to be very hard for other teams to score. Just some quick notes before this episode ends. And, you know, I'm at the 21-minute mark now. These are normally going to be 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, Tobias Harris was on the Woj pod last week. Definitely worth a listen. I will post the link in the description, but he talked about how this year's Sixers squad differs from last year's with regard to chemistry, what it was like in the bubble, his thoughts on the All-Star game being played in Atlanta on March 7th, and what it's been like having his dad as an agent and how he views living up to the max contract that a lot of people have criticized him for uh, so far. You know, he's he's starting to play a lot better, so you haven't heard a lot of that chatter recently. But since coming to the Sixers up until maybe the third or fourth game this season, that contract was always the judging point for him. But he seems to be a lot more confident in what he's doing now under Doc Rivers. Uh, in addition to that, Jerome Weitzman, the guy who uh, wrote the Tanking to the Top book on the Sixers, published a story about Joel Embiid and his improved play due to better conditioning. And I, uh, you know, it's definitely worth a read on the uh, MVP candidate, uh, Joel Embiid, having just an unbelievable year and a great, a greatly written column by Jerome Weitzman. Uh, we interviewed him on the podcast earlier in the quarantine, so you can go check out that episode. Uh, talked about Markel Fultz saga, Brian Colangelo, so on and so forth. So go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, and uh, yeah, that'll wrap up this episode. The Sixers on a Ford game road trip Tuesday in Sacramento, Thursday in Portland, Saturday in Phoenix, and Monday in Utah. So um, Jesse Larch and I will be back likely this upcoming Friday for an episode to talk about the Kings and uh, Trailblazers game. So until then, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.